0: Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Lord, we just thank you for your sweet, sweet presence this morning. We thank you for your rest and your hope that's on our lives right now. Thank you that we're in a safe place to hear your word, a safe place to receive your anointing, to bring breakthrough into our lives. Right now, I just feel like, Holy Spirit, you're touching people without us doing much because there's such a hunger for you, such a hunger for you, such a hunger for you. So open up hearts, open up minds. To hear the message you have for us today. That it brings eternal transformation. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, in Jesus' mighty name. Give God a shout. Awesome. Man, I tell you, having a concert and then the time moving up an hour. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> That's, all <you> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I ain't not nothing else. But that is an amazing concert last night. We want to thank all of y'all that came out. Rory and his team just did a great job, man. I'm so proud of them. Amen. Let's see if we could come on up and fill in. Get some of the folks out there. I know it's the 9 o'clock service, but I want to fill in up front. I want some people to teach, to. If you're in the back or somewhere and you want to move on up, come on, feel free to move up. Just feel free to move up here. Give me my, I hope my praise team is in here. If they're not, get them. Tell them to come up here. We got front row seats for them. My interns, are they in here? Where's my interns? I need my interns. I need my praise team. I need them all up here. Daddy wants everybody up front. I got a word to change your life. I didn't I didn't study 30 hours to speak to empty chairs. So I'll wait. I'll wait on everybody. Just, just go out there and shout, David. Pastor's waiting on you. He's not doing a thing till y'all come in here. Not doing a thing. I want staff. Bless your own security. Be in here. Oh, come on, somebody hallelujah I don't like preaching to empty chairs I know you don't like singing to empty chairs do you? Know. we just wait on them are they in the restroom or where they at there they come yeah they're alive come on everybody just come on I know y'all were up all night doing the concert but I love you I want you to hear this word. just come right on up here in front where's my interns at Oh, you here. Come on, come on. We got seats up here for you, right on the front, right on the front. Come on, right all the way across here. Come on. David, you know how it is. You prepare a word, you want people to eat it, right? You want them to partake of the word. Hallelujah. Yeah, there's some, somebody's got coats, throw them on the floor because it's not for coats. It's, it's, they can put it under the seat. I'm just, yeah, come on in. Look here, people's living, they're moving. I I knew there was some people here in this church today. People just started coming from other churches. Yeah, there you you go. I believe they did. I believe they did, just so they could get up front. (laughs) Hallelujah. Come on up close, though. We don't want you in the back. Come on up here. Come on up here. Come on up here. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The word that... God, put on my heart today for you is how to overcome rejection. I think rejection is the root of most familiar spirits. You know, a lot of times we talk about pride. The Bible says pride comes before a fall, and we we talk about envy and some other things. But, But I really believe rejection is the root of most of those. We talk about fear, the spirit of fear. But I I really believe rejection is the root of those because so many times we have a spirit of fearing to fail because we've been rejected at some point or another. So many times when we're operating in timidity or fear or anxiety, it's really because we wouldn't feel it if we hadn't had fear, if we hadn't had some type of rejection in our lives. We were talking about someone last night, uh, uh, little Alon, A- how do I pronounce Avalon's name? Alon's, uh, Elon. Elon. Elon, my little buddy, he was up here at the end of the concert playing his little guitar. And I don't know, how old is Elon? Four. And he's just going, you know, I mean, all those people there. And someone looked at me and said, you know, if he can do that at that age, he'll never have stage fright in his entire life. Well, that's true to a point unless at some point along his life he gets rejected come on, over a performance or something that. and he lets it get in his heart. That. Awesome. Oh, you, you know I'm right yeah. where you live living, you might as well just get ready. Speaking to me, come come on, on, it's just the root. It, you can start out at four on a platform and still be right. walking fear when you're in your twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. Why? Because rejection is the root of most causes that bring negative events in our life or negative reactions to events that happen in our life. And if we're ever gonna move into the promotion of God, what is the promotion? It's just moving forward. It's whatever is next, whatever God has been preparing you for. You see, it's not about your destination. We know that we inherit the kingdom of God. It's about the journey. And that's what a destiny is. The Hebrew word for destiny, Dariq, talks about a pathway or a roadway. And every pathway or roadway has a beginning and a middle and an ending. And it can be up and down and they have turns. And, and and the thing that we gotta understand is if we're gonna walk out our destiny, if we're gonna fulfill our destiny, because see your destiny is not something you can produce. It's only something you can fulfill. It's 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 not something you can create it's just something you can choose to walk in and and as we began to understand that and we began to understand God's plan for our lives we began to realize that even though we may face rejection you not may you will face rejection you have faced rejection and you'll face rejection in the future it's just like people say well you know brother you can't offend me I've been offended well you're naive because the Bible didn't say you didn't say you could get so much faith you would never be offended. Right. The Bible says, "Be not easily offended." So it's just harder for you to be offended. Right. But if you, it's, it's like people, are like, "Well, I'll never cheat on my spouse." Watch out. That's the ones that do. Because we open ourselves up for something that's not true. Now. The good thing about being easily offended, you can get rid of it in five minutes. You can get rid of it in a day or two, whatever. That's better than living a decade or two right. with it. So it's important that we understand that, that, that we're going to face battles, and we're going to face sin, and we're going to face death, and we're going to face sickness, and we're going to face job loss, and we're going to face rejection. But the key is, how do you handle it? Right. Does it take you to a place of promotion in your life to make you a better man, a better woman, a better spouse, a, a better spiritual leader, a be- better in your career, your business? Your does it make you better or does it make you worse? I can't think of anyone other than David when I'm thinking about rejection. You know, we, we look at his life and and, and today I'm just going to kick it off maybe this week and next week talking about overcoming rejection and today I'm going to talk about moving from rejection into promotion and next week I'm going to talk about moving from rejection into legacy because you know if we don't understand the process of being promoted you know a lot of people look at people in their promotion or in their legacy and you know they want that but they don't understand the cost you see everyone in here you have a cost to be you no one knows what the cost costs you But you always got to remember the cost was greater for God than it will ever be for any of us because He gave His only Son so that we could be saved. So when we begin to look at rejection, I see it as a giant unless you're prepared for it. And even sometimes when you're prepared, it's still a giant. It's not anything you can't defeat. It's not anything that can't be under your feet. There's no spirit that should be above our feet. There's no spirit that can possess a Christian. But but the key is, man, how are we responding to rejections? I think of David. And David, man, he was a, a giant killer. But he started out as a shepherd boy. He didn't start out as a giant killer. He started out as a shepherd boy. As far as your Old Testament kings, prophets, and priests, I mean, he was the number one. He was right there. He was the top guy. But but while while David was still in obscurity, God saw something in David that that he testified about. I mean, you know, when God testifies about you, it doesn't get much better than that. I mean, unless you're Enoch, you was, and then you was not. I mean, that, that's pretty good. You're just walking with God, and he takes you, you know. But, but other than that, David was a man that God testified about. He said in Acts 13, the Bible tells us, after removing Saul, the king before David, after removing Saul, he made David their king. See, how did he become king? He was made king, not by his talents, not by his gifts, not by his courage, not by anything, but other. God made him yeah. king. Now, David had to obey God and obey his heart and his steps, but it was still the making of the Father. And God made him king. And look, God testified concerning him. I mean, that, that's pretty good when God's going to tell a story. He's going to testify about you. And look what he said. He said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Yeah. You see, that was the difference in David's time that set him apart when he was after God's heart, the Bible says. It says he was after my own heart and he will what? do everything I will ask him to do. Yeah. Everything I want him to do. Now, we know David did a lot of things God didn't want him to do. That's right. <laughs> right? But he repented. And he just stayed after God and God's heart. And and, and the thing I want you to realize, understand, the pursuit that David had after God's own heart wasn't necessarily for himself, but David was so hungry in pursuing God's heart, he was doing it for the sake of knowing God. Because I've been talking to you about faith, right? And I've been here in recent weeks, and, 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 and faith is known in trusting God. Faith, now, the, now faith is a substance hope things hoped for, the evidence of what things not seem. And, and then here's another definition for faith. Faith is, you can operate in faith when you, what? Know the ability of God, but trust in the nature of God know the ability of God, know that he can open the Red Seas and God can heal the sick and raise the dead and save the all. He can do all those things, but it's not going to do you a lot of good if you don't trust his heart, if you don't know his ways. You see, that's what set Moses apart from the Israelites. He, He could lead them. Why could he lead them? They knew God's acts, his abilities, but they didn't know his ways. You know, you know, you know, Paul, man, he was a little stranger. Oh, that's just the way Paul is. What, what, if I say that's just the way Paul is, then that means I know Paul's heart, his intentions. Hebrews 4.12 says God not only knows your intentions, not only knows uh, your heart, but he knows the very intentions of your heart. Since we begin to look at this, what, what set David apart was the fact he was pursuing God. You see, the paradigm for worship, uh, worshiping God in David's time, under the, in the Old Testament period, David was so far ahead of that because the paradigm was simply to be forgiven of sins. It was to bring offerings of animals, of sheep, and so on, to God and sacrifice them. So there, it was doing things like that that, that was, but David tapped into something that none of the rest of the guys had tapped into and he pursued the heart of God and then what happened is when the great rejections of his life happened he knew God's heart so well even if it didn't seem like God's attributes were working for him even if it didn't seem like God's strength and ability was working for him he knew God so well and knew his heart so well he just thought it must be going to happen some other way. I mean, he was even praising God in the Psalms when he says, look, he set my enemies around me at my table. I, I mean, he was, yeah, he would get frustrated, but he never, he, he, he never doubted God. Wow. Amen. He was always transparent and opening up his own heart. So, so David was motivated. He was motivated by nothing but the desire to, to know God for God's own sake, his own heart. So when no one else was looking, David was pouring out his heart to the Father. When no one else was looking, he was pouring out his heart to the Father. And his heart led him beyond the letter of the law to the Spirit of the Father. You see, the paradigm of worship was the law. And that's how people were forgiven of sins, and that's how, and that's how they connected and communed with God, and, and that's how they even worshiped God, by giving him offerings and sacrifices. But David had moved beyond. He didn't reject the law. He honored it. But what did he do? He moved beyond all that to the heart of the Father, to the Spirit of the Lord. So when you begin to look at David, I want to talk a little bit about him and the contrast between David and Saul. You see, King Saul, he was the king before David, and Israel didn't have a king at the time, they had Samuel, who was the high priest and the prophet of a nation and basically operated well beyond what a king would be anyway. And Israel was doing well, and other nations around them were struggling, but the people got together. You know, it's dangerous when people get together without a leader, right? They got together behind the leader's back, behind Samuel's back, and and, 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 and they started complaining and wanting stuff, and, and they wanted a king. They wanted a king. And God didn't want to give them a king. He said, if I give you a king, then you're going to be slaves to them. They're going to take your daughters, your properties, your land. You, no, no, you just, no, no, we want a king. So so when we look at the contrast of David, whenever Saul became king, whenever once Samuel anointed Saul to be king for God, he was just immediately brought into his kingship. I mean, the Bible says he was one of the taller men, if not the tallest in the nation, handsome from a prosperous family that said that he would go into the courts with the prophets and prophesy Seeing He he, he just stepped into a great mantle. Now, the interesting thing is Saul was the very best that Israel had to offer when they were crying out to God, give me what I want. You see, God knew he had a David, but it wasn't time for David. So he said, okay, little baby, I'm going to give you what you think you want. I have what you really need. It's not his time yet, but I, I'm going to give you the best that there is in the land to fill this role because Samuel should be doing it, but if that's what you want, so he gave him Saul. They picked the people picked Saul. Now he moved immediately into his position. But now when we look in the contrast, look at the contrast of David. Yeah, God picked David. But but also look, David didn't move immediately in the throne. It was more than a decade from the time David was prayed for and anointed by Samuel to become king. He, he just went back out in the field and continued to be a shepherd boy. You see, the anointing doesn't immediately change your circumstances. The anointing matures your heart beyond experiences you've ever had on your own to propel you into the promotion God has for you. See, 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 maturity is not knowledge. Right, maturity is knowledge with experience. Yeah. You know, I, I, you could give me the 4.0 student all of his life and just got out of pilot school. I, I'd rather fly with a dude that maybe had a C average in college, but he's flown for 20 yeah, right, years and yeah. hadn't had a crash yet. How about yeah, you? So on, you yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, I, give me some experience. Because that's what true maturity is. Now we see in David's interim time, man, he had all kinds of difficulties. He had all kinds of persecutions. I mean, I mean, here David is. He he's he's going back out. His own family rejected him. They didn't even bring him into the house when Samuel came to the house to pick one of the sons to be king. They went through all of them, and Samuel said the Lord hadn't accepted any of these. Do you have any more? Well, we've got this little ruddy shepherd boy out there somewhere. Take, go get him. We'll wait. Didn't even sit down, we'll wait. And then they saw the presence of the Lord come and Samuel crying and anoint him with the oil, called him the king. It never said that his dad Jesse celebrated or his brother celebrated and like this is awesome. Our little brother's going to be the king. They just grunted and went on. Why? Because they would already rejected in their mind that he's the smallest, he's the ruddy one, he's the red-haired kid anyway. I mean what hope does he, uh, he just needs to take care of dad and mom as they get old and take care of the sheep and, and the fields and the But God saw him as a king. You see, it's not even really important. It's not important what anyone else sees you as. It's important how you see yourself. But I want to promise you, you'll never see yourself properly in your full potential until you see yourself through the heart of God. See, that's what set David apart. He could get along with God to a point he knew God's heart. Therefore, he knew not just a memorization of what the word of God said about him. He didn't only know the word and the ability of God, but he knew the nature and the intentions of God. And that set him apart because he could step into intimacy immediately with him. You see, Saul was trusted with a measure of the anointing. He was anointed to be king and he was trusted. And and as he was trusted with a measure of the anointing, uh, he was trusted with a measure of anointing to bring certain victories to Israel. He was trusted with a measure of anointing to bring uh, blessing and favor and spiritual anointing on Israel. But the fact that he had not went through the strength of the character test that only comes through winning private battles. See, he hadn't fought the bear and the lion before he was a king. He hadn't killed the bear and the lion. He he hadn't faced rejection. He was the prime kid in the prime family. He didn't really experience rejection. He had just kind of been that winner his whole life. And, and, And so therefore, his character wasn't proven. His character wasn't proven, and 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 your character can only be proved by going through battles and winning those battles. You see, the public victories that Saul had, instead of becoming a blessing to him, became a weakness to him. You see, success sometimes can be your greatest enemy if your heart's not ready for it. I mean, Saul did whatever he wanted to do. And, and Samuel told him, you know, when you go take this other nation kill the king, kill everybody, kill the animals, don't bring anything back. And when he gets there, Saul went in and wiped them out. And what did he do? He gets there and what do they doing? He hears sheep bleeding in the background and he sees this king and his household that Saul thought, well, they got wealth and influence and I'll keep them around. In other words, he wanted them to see how good of a king he was. And show this other king since he conquered him. Wow. Who he was. And when Samuel said. Confronted him on it. And he looked at him and he said. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Wow. And he told Saul. He said rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And he took his own sword out. And cut the king's head off. And he knew at that point. That Saul was finished. Being the king right. of Israel. Now. What's interesting, when we haven't had the right private battles and understand how to overcome fear, rejection, pride at different stages in our life, what it does, it, it, it opens up to take that which blesses you actually becomes what destroys you. You see, it, it's kind of like if you give a, you've got a beautiful new car, a $50,000 car you want to give your son. Well, you don't want to give that son that car when he's six and say drive down the street, you want to wait till he's prepared and he's ready as best you can. And, and what happens is a lot of times we're praying for things. We're kind of like a dog praying for a car, and he catches it and doesn't know what to do with it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's true. And that's the way a lot of Christians are. We're praying for things we get, and once we get them, we don't know what to do with them. So it's easy to quit or get upset or just be offended and walk away and blame it on someone else instead of taking the trial, taking the fight, taking the persecution, taking on the anxiety, taking on the rejection, overcoming the fear, whatever it is got to face because whenever you face those things, if you want true public victory, Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel chapter 7, it can only come through private victory. Is this helping anyone? Yeah, yes. So what is the secret? What is the secret for David to move from a place of rejection as a shepherd boy, as, you know, the son that didn't, wasn't the favored, uh, even coming into Saul's house, we'll talk about it in a moment, and some of that rejection that propelled him from that to the promotion of becoming a king. Well, the number one key, and if you don't get anything else, get this. The number one key was he had a heart that had been tested before God. He had a heart that had been tested before the Lord. And once you possess that heart that is seeking God, it, it, it's kind of like when you've been delivered of something huge in your life. It could be a lifestyle. It could be an addiction, a To a drug or or been through a horrendous relationship or abuse when you come through those things the reason through is important when you come through them in a healthy way what it does it gives you authority of command over that very thing you came through so if someone's been through a horrendous abusive marriage and now they're on the other side and they're, they've got a, a marriage and it's healthy and it's strong and they're healthy and vibrant, growing in God. That's who you want to pray for the person that's having a tough marriage. That's who you want to counsel the person that's having a tough marriage. Why? Because they conquered that. They haven't conquered every area of their life, but they conquered that area. And there's an anointing on our lives. And, and, and you, did you realize we need mentors? Anybody know that? Yeah. But did you know another way to mentor, to be mentored, is to mentor yourself? It's not the only way, it's one way. And the way you mentor yourself is to go back of what you've been through and take what you've learned and stir yourself up and remind yourself of that and then you can begin to build your favor. Now, if you just do that without submitting to others and without receiving mentors that know things, you, you only know what you know. I only know what I know. So I also still have to put myself under and around mentors that know more than me, right? Or I'll never be able to mentor myself beyond what I could have been by myself. So it's important to have both. So if we want to go from rejection to promotion, uh, and we got to understand, even though David had a heart that was already possessed to uh, for the Lord. He just loved it. Testing that groomed him to handle the glory and the responsibility of the throne was this. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 37, I won't get into the whole story of, of when he's talking to Saul and he's getting ready to kill Goliath, but he said this to Goli- to Saul when Saul was trying to get him to wear his armor to go face Goliath. David said this. Moreover, David said... <clears throat> The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. In other words, he had tr- he had tested the heart and the nature of God. He didn't test him in a way, oh, I'll just wait and see, Lord. He walked with God, and he stood according to what his faith level was with God. And those private victories where he ripped apart a lion and a bear, just a small man, ripped them apart with his bare hands, he used that to mentor himself and to strengthen himself to know more and more about God's will and God's way. So when he came out and saw this Philistine uh, uh, coming against He wasn't so much coming against Saul, coming against his Lord, his God, the same God that in his private life got him over. He could have been dead from the bear. Or the line or maimed up but it got him through to where he ripped them apart and now his trust was not in David's strength his trust was in the strength of the Lord his trust was not in his nature but the nature of God his trust wasn't in what he knew or what he brought to the table but what God knew and what God brought to the table and see that's the important thing to overcome rejection rejection is when we just re- we just keep going over and over what hurt us what disappoint us m- you know, what we were rejected in, and then we begin to sow seeds into that, and then we start re- getting rejected now and even in the future because we haven't learned how to walk in an authority to overcome it, to command it, to get under our feet. You know, you, you, you know, like me, you've you got to come to a place in your life, you've got to draw a line in the sand and say enough's enough. You just got to quit playing with it. Quit playing with it. Repent and get before God and repent and take the next step. And if you slip, give it to God and take the next step. And before long, you'll be running for God. But but, but look, 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 look. You know, if you're offended right now, it's just a different face because you still haven't forgiven the other people that offended you if you're walking into rejection now, it's just another topic, it's just your career now, or it's just your spouse now, or it's just your boyfriend or girlfriend now, or it's just your, you know, whatever, your doctor, you know, not giving you, whatever it is, whatever your rejection is now really just stems from the fact of not overcoming and walking in into commanded authority to move beyond the spirit of rejection. Well, I got a lot more to this, but I, I'm going to jump over here to the meat since I got five minutes. So how did how did how did David handle rejection? And we see this. He, he'd gotten turned away. I mean if you went to Reader's Digest version remember he killed Goliath. He came into, the, came into the throne. He came into the king's house. He ended up marrying the king's daughter. He was his lead general. His son Jonathan loved him. Everybody loved him until Saul heard one day that the women when they came in from their victories when he came in for his victory they'd say King Saul, King Saul he kills his thousands. You know he's great. But he heard one day when David came in, they said, David, David, he reigns. He killed his tens of thousands. And all of a sudden, those private battles that he either never faced or never overcome rose up in him to reject the very one that would die for him, that was out risking his life for him, that would have been faithful to him forever. And now he's trying to take his life. Your rejection of others is really more of a rejection of yourself because he felt he didn't measure up to David. Who's this little young guy, this little shepherd boy that got lucky with one stone and hit the giant and now all of a sudden, you know, all my people thinks he's ten times greater than me, King Saul. Wow. So really he wasn't rejecting David. He was rejecting himself in his own eyes because if they were saying he was killing his hundreds of thousands, he didn't mind it. If they were saying David was killing his hundreds and Saul was killing his thousands, he'd been okay with that. But the moment that someone looked a little better, doing a little more, a little more potential, he he pronounced or conveyed his rejection of himself on that person. Now, David, as you know, had to run for his life. And when he had to run for his life, He ran into the cave of Adullam. Let me read a couple verses to you in 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 through 2. Now, during this time, he picked up a few followers. Let's talk about them. It said, David, therefore, departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. And so he became the captain over them. And there were about 400 men, plus their families, but about 400 men with them. Now David demonstrated a a true king's heart. He took the distressed, the indebted, the broken, and he turned them in. He discipled them, and he turned them in to mighty warriors, and he turned them in to mighty leaders, and he turned them in to mighty uh, men of God. Now, eventually, some other things happened. David had went back. I don't want to get into the history of that. Let's, let's move on up into the future so we get ready to close here. Because if I go there, I'll stay there a while. But David even got rejected from the Philistines. He went over and was serving the Philistines. And when he was serving the Philistines with his men after he came out of the cave of Abdullam, um, And he was going out on raids. They gave him a town called Ziglag. And he was going out on raids. But the Philistines thought he was fighting for them. But he was really going out and wiping out any armies that was coming against the armies of Israel. And then it came to where the princes of the Philistines was going to go against the Israelites. And they told David, you couldn't go. And, and, and he was fighting one to go. The other Philistines wanted him to go because he was a strategic man of war. But the princes said, no, you cannot go. Now, when he could not go, he left humiliated and rejected. Now, he would have turned on him because they said, if we let you go in battle, you, could, you will turn on us just to win back favor with your nation. So he knew that. So he, he wasn't, you know, that's what he was going to do. But he still felt like he earned it and he was humiliated. He goes back to Ziglag with his men. Now let's look what happens. When he comes back to Ziglag with his men, 1 Samuel chapter 30 tells us the story. It said, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag. Now remember, this is his mighty men. They'd been out on all kinds of raids, all kinds of victories. On the third day, and the Amalekites invaded the south and Ziglag, attacked Ziglag, and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there, uh, from the small to the great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them all away and went their way. So David and his men come into the city, and there it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Verse 4, then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. Now these are giant killers. These are mighty men of God. They're weeping. Verse 5, even David's two wives were taken uh, captive. And uh, in verse 6 it says, now David was greatly distressed. So he's distressed, he's lost his own wives and children too, right? And all of his men that he mentored, that he trained, that were broke, that were in debt, that were distressed. Lowest of the rejects came to David, and he raised them up to be mighty leaders and mighty men. The Bible actually tells us that, that David, his mighty men, the only other four giants that's recorded that were killed in the Bible that I know of, they were killed by David's mighty men. So the only ones that slayed by themselves a giant that I know of was David and, and, and his mighty men sl- slayed a total of five giants. So if you want to be a giant killer, hang out with a giant killer, right? And these men had become giant killers, but now they're weeping. Now they're distressed. Now they're angry. And look what they do. And it says, for the people spoke of stoning him, stoning David, the one that rescued him. They would have been dead or in prison by then. They were going to stone him. Why? Because all the, soul, the souls of all the people grieved every man for his sons and his daughters. So right in the moment of when David is facing his deepest pain, now he's facing his deepest betrayal and his deepest rejection. When he sees their city burned, when he sees them all taken and taken captive, and without a question, he felt greatly distressed because what? this was his closest friends were ready to kill him. But I want to ask you, and, and we'll close on this, how did David respond? See, that's what maturity is. We see these mighty men. They killed giants. They were amazing men. Uh, they were great men. And now they find themselves in a fight that they hadn't won a private victory in. But see, what they didn't realize, David had already won the private victory of rejection. He had already won the private victory of disappointment he had already won the private victory of fearing for his life yeah. these men had learned some of those but not all of those so he could have ran he could have done a lot of things he could have like put them all down and said you know if it wouldn't be for me you wouldn't even be living right now all that stuff oh, on, but look what he says at the end of verse 6 and this is the key today First Samuel 30 verse 6 the last sentence but David strengthened himself in the Lord let me tell you David strengthened himself in the Lord it doesn't matter what your battle is look at me in the eyes now doesn't matter if it's cancer divorce addiction unforgiveness it doesn't matter the only way you're gonna walk in true per now, somebody can lay hands on you and you might get faith and break it for a while. But the only way you will truly break anything that is strong coming against you is by strengthening yourself in the Lord. See, 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 that's that's what a lot of people don't understand. Doesn't matter if you're a pastor, evangelist, the CEO of a corporation, of Fortune 500 or a 100. It doesn't really matter. You have to get to a place in private victories where you know that you know you can pull away and you might not get to leave and go to a prayer closet. So you might have to do it right there and go to the bathroom inside, outside the boardroom. But you know how to instantly. You see, you're see, see you just looking at me and then you're the one that's going to be calling when you've had a bad week. I'm just telling you. No, no, you've you got to learn. Not just who to call on. you got to learn to strengthen. Stir up yourself, mighty man. Stir up yourself, mighty woman of God. You, you, you can't shake off fear. And shake. I just command fear to go. You can't command a to go. Until, until you know how to stir yourself up. If your wife's having to go around and keep you out of depression, shame on you. If your husband's got to go around and pet you all the time because, you know, you just don't know why you feel the way you do. I'll tell you why, because you haven't been with God enough. I'll tell you why, because you haven't been praying. I you, yeah, you, You've been praying at God, and you've been complaining to God and talking at, that, That's not prayer. Prayer is communing and conversing with, asking and receiving from God. It's not the Burger Kingdom King, you know. Uh, get to have it my way. It's no, 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 no. He's got a better way. More than you can think of or imagine. And a better life than you could ever imagine. But you gotta learn. Strengthen yourself, woman of God. Strengthen yourself, man of God. I can't wait for you to give your testimony someday. Just blow everybody's mind. And it didn't come from anything but you getting along and strengthening your Self, you know, right? Well, I just had a bad decade. So what? You're gonna have another bad decade if you live. Come on, Pastor. You can. Well, God just didn't heal my family member, so you feel rejected. Well, God didn't, you know, save my job. You feel rejected. Well, you know, I didn't get to be in the front of the line. You feel rejected. Poor, poor, little old you. Let let me help you with something. Time to put big boy pants on, on. on. big girl pants on. Let let me help you with something. Look at me. Here's what I want to help you with. No one can strengthen you, not your husband, your wife, your pastor, your preacher, your cat, or your dog, but you. I can stand up here and preach a message and transform your life. But if you don't receive it and apply it, it ain't going to do nothing for you. And if you'll get this one verse, verse 6, it'll change your life. Now, I just want to hear a word, honey. You ain't ready for it. You just got a word. I want to hear a message. You got a message that will change your eternity. Because listen, the shortest existence you have is while you're on this planet. And everybody lives like you're fighting for this planet to live longer. No, you're fighting now to set your mark for in forever, where you're really going to be forever. That's right. This is the warm-up. This is oh the Lord. test. That's right. Oh, hallelujah! I love That's you too. I'm just saying. Uh-uh. That's right. That's right. See, see, he's he's facing these guys he loves, and he tra- he knows how great of warriors they are. He knows they could kill him easily. He trained them to be killers. But, but here's the key. See, he also knew how to strengthen himself in the Lord. Look what he did. So, so it says in verse 7, Then David said to Abathar the priest, Amalek's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. Because he's getting ready to pray. put the ephod on. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord. See, see, he had access they didn't have because he knew the nature of God. He knew how to hear God, not just go sacrifice a sheep or a goat and hope God forgave him. He knew how to communicate with God. And he said this, shall I pursue this troop, shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered, pursue, you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Now, Now look at this, look at this. you need healed you can recover you can recover it all the Bible says you need a financial breakthrough you can recover it all you need restoration and relationship you can recover it all how do I recover it all it's when I stop relying on my strength and turn to the strength of the Lord you see David's breakthrough moment didn't come because of David's ability It came because of God's ability, but David knew the heart of the Father and how to communicate with him. God gave David the ability to minister in his own distress, his own darkest moment. And I could tell you no matter, and I love you, man. I I go through dark moments but they're more like moments now or maybe half a day or a day they're not weeks months and years right. it's just a difference why 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 because you passed some tests in life you say yeah but pastor you don't know me I failed my family I failed my career I failed God listen listen you're here That's right. you're breathing You're you're sitting here looking and listening to me now. Then then that means God still has a purpose for you. Look what David did. The same men, the same men that was going to kill him immediately, right? That's going to kill him right there. Didn't care how good he was and all he done. Going to kill him right there. As soon as David brought them back to their purpose, they were free. See 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 that divorce. It got you off your purpose. That, that, and marriage is sacred, and that 's not god 's plan and god 's will, but bad things happen, and even the good people. it rains on the just and the unjust but but because that happened, you can 't quit that's right. that that betrayal in your business it happened. Maybe you were the one that was the one that caused the betrayal i don 't know whatever it was, but here 's the thing: the only way you'll have a heart. The energy, the passion to stir yourself with God. To get alone when you don't feel like being alone and you're afraid to be alone. To, to, to get to the point of you're broken and you're crying and you're weeping before God. and You're laughing and dancing before God. The only, the only way that'll happen is, is when you come to the realization that what your purpose is. see that the people that come through tra- tragic things they didn't come through it because they're stronger or smarter than other people they come through tragic things because the purpose was too big to fail the purpose was too big to die the purpose was too big to give up and i want i want to ask you today especially you young folks still got your hair and you know you can drink all the Mountain Dew and eat all the moon pies you want but you're too old, too young to know what moon pies are that's, you just miss God on that that's your problem but, but, but you know you, you, you haven't been through much you don't know much you know about things but you just don't know much you, you, you know where the cockpit is but don't fly me you know what I'm saying I, I don't want you piloting me right now someday but not right now but if you come to the place to make that decision to know Him you can make it through divorce you can make it through your brother dying you can make it through your mother dying of Alzheimer's you can make it through your children right now going through a big battle that you know is bigger than you why? cause you learn how to strengthen yourself in the Lord when it don't feel right when it don't look right When it looks like no hope, when it looks like no way, you learned to put the ephod on and stir and strengthen yourself up in the Lord. Why? Because the purpose is too great. It'd be easier just to quit, be easier just to die, be easier just to be like the rest of the crazy people. But the purpose is too great. And what I want to challenge you with today is this. What's your purpose? What's your purpose? Because if your purpose is not big, you won't handle a big fight. You, 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 you will you, you'll, you'll be broken and you could be in it for decades if you live. I'm just telling you. Now, I'm not condemning you. David was an adulterer and a murderer. And all God remembered once he repented was he did everything I wanted in him. To do. Now, if God could not only forgive but choose to forget what David did and then bring the lineage of the Son of God through his throne. No, 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 no. Write the book of Psalms from his life, from his hand, from his pen. Be the greatest king that brought the greatest prosperity and war victories ever to a nation. The man that set them up for millenniums. The man that the son of God came through his lineage. He learned to strengthen himself in the Lord. He learned to repent. He learned to love even his enemies. He learned to say it's not about me The purpose of God and His plan and His heart is bigger than my purpose, my plan, and my heart. You know, we hear, you, you hear me say this a lot. Greater is He who is in me than he who is in this world. It's what the Bible says. What's happening inside you is greater than happening what's happening to you or around you. Now, that's only true if the one that's in you is greater see 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 greater is he god who is in me than cancer than depression than bankruptcy than divorce greater is he so so if i don't see him as greater than my fear then i can't conquer my fear through him if i don't see him greater than my diagnosis then my diagnosis is greater than him You you see, it all comes back to you. Not your preacher boy or girl. Not the elders, deacons, or your Christian buddies. Or your spouse, your friends, your cat or your dog. It all comes back to you and him. And you choosing to strengthen yourself by knowing his heart. And the thing that you won't even get to the place to get alone where you really am with God until you know your purpose That's right. you're thinking well my purpose my purpose is just you know am I supposed to preach or be a billionaire or be married or not married or live here your purpose is to do the will of the father you're still looking for your will my way my highway my thing you know, I'm 56. I'm kind of over my thing. That's right. I kind of figured it took him a while—about five decades—to get Dalton convinced that his way's better than my way. And and you know what? You know what? His way is better than anyone's way out there that I'm impressed by. Oh, you didn't see that's that extra right there. You should give me a tip for that. I, I mean, it, hey, Deborah, I didn't see you there, girl. But you know, his way is better, isn't it? It's just better. It's better than any way—my way, your way, their way, our way, his way—is the only way. That's right. Oh, that's worth clapping for. That's One person right. got it. Okay. I, I'm just going to ask you: I, 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 How lay down am I right now? Did y'all already? T- you already took the offering up, didn't you? Yeah. Praise, God. Praise God! I'm, I'm not going to play with you. That's right. If you are sick and tired of being sick and tired and you want his way and no other way and you need to strengthen yourself in the lord get up out of your seat and come down here now i mean don't if you're just sick and tired and you say i gotta have his way lest i die i gotta have his way i gotta have not my way not the preacher's way i gotta have his way i gotta have his way no way but his way his way it's the only way if that's if that's just where you're at in your life listen you're in a dangerous place not for you you're in a dangerous place for the devil because even the devil rejected David he did the demonic force the Philistines that were so against God and had their own gods even though he was winning wars and battles for them they kicked him out and said go back to Ziglag and leave us alone boy go on over there boy and leave us alone what they say? Even the devil rejected him. His family rejected him. The king rejected him. His best friends that he mentored rejected. And even the devil. I mean, when the devil rejects you, you're gonna feel really low. And and you say, How could the devil reject me? The devil, here's how you know the devil's rejected you. When he's got you thinking your life's not worth living anymore. When he's got you thinking, when he's got you thinking you can't make any difference, why get all fired up? You got fired up before and look at you now. When he gets you to thinking you're no benefit to God or anyone else, he just rejected you. So you can get sick, you can pet yourself, pout, whine, cry, throw a fit. Or you can just get mad and have some righteous anger and say, that's it, devil, no more. That's it. You, you're not going to get my health. You're not going to get my family. You're my finances. My, my anointing. My life. No, 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 devil, no more. Listen. He's not going to get your peace. He's not going to get your joy. He's not going to get your favor. He's not going to get your rest. He's not going to get your obedience he can't have it it's not his he can't have your sacrifice anymore He, he he's had too much of your sacrifice no more sacrifice unto him now, now preacher how do I do this I, I come up here now I'm almost embarrassed I come up here well don't be embarrassed 98% of the people's up here with you and I bet people watching on Facebook you should be down on the floor crying before God right now if not, check your heart. You may be proud, but anyway. So, listen. How, Pastor? How do I walk out of this auditorium today, knowing I've received what you've been talking about? Wow. First of all, you humbled yourself and you came up here. I didn't say close your eyes, stand up, turn three ways. No. If you want this come number one. So you've recognized your need. To be strengthened. So the key right now is, what is your purpose? Well, my purpose is to be a good husband. Well, I mean that's a good purpose, but it's not the purpose. Right, right. My purpose is to be a good father. Well, that's a good purpose, but not the purpose. Oh, wow. My purpose is to be a good son. Well, that's, that's a good purpose, but not the purpose. Yes, right. Good. See. See, your greatest purpose really isn't your purpose. It's His purpose. And when you live for His purpose, He makes all your purposes better. So if there's anything, anyone, any desire, I mean, I had to drive, I mean, Steph and I, I was 28 when we started dating, and I had to drive out of her driveway when we were uh, working together at World Harvest, and I was so in love with her, still am, crazy in love with her and she's in love with me and it was just like about eight months into it, about six months into it, it, just seemed too good to be true, you know, you're just waiting to sabotage it or something happened and, you know, I'd been praying and standing that I didn't, and I'm just driving back to my apartment and all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord came into my truck when you think about that, drop her off about 10 o'clock at night, summer night uh, Spirit of the Lord, whoosh, come in my truck and I immediately knew it wasn't something I was like, ooh, the Spirit of the Lord is here I knew he was going to ask me something. I felt a heaviness. I knew it was the devil because I know God. I know when it's the devil. <laughs> and he said, "Can you give her to me?" Now, now you'd say, "Well, of course you gave her to you before you ever started dating her." Yeah, I say, spiritual one. <laughs> Come on, you're such. <laughs> I mean, I, I lied to myself too. You know that's why. That's why I thank God I can repent. Amen. You can too. No, no, no. I knew, Terry, what he was saying. Can you live without her? Because what if I have another purpose for her? Can you give her to me? I thought, has this been a six-month test? And I just start slowing down about 10 miles an hour on a country road, bawling. I mean, I'm bawling. I'm shaking. And I had to sit, it seemed like I drove a couple minutes, several minutes, and I'm shaking. And I just slowed down, and I stopped, and I just looked up and said, yes, Lord, I'll she's yours. He said, good, that's all I need to know. It's going to be great. Go home and get some rest. And I'm like shaking. I mean, it's like, you know, when you about pulled out in front of a semi or something, and you're sh- I was like weak, shaking. But I've never had to doubt it again. See, 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 because I know the Lord's nature. I, I never have to doubt it again if she loves me. I never have to doubt it again if I love her. I never have to doubt it again. Because once the Lord said, I gave her to you, you didn't get her. You he didn't get when the Lord said, I just want you to realize, Dalton, I gave her to you, and I gave you to her. You didn't get anything. So, so when you begin to strengthen yourself in the Lord, what is it? It's, it's when I'm not here to get anything. I, I, I'm just here to receive whatever it is or or to acknowledge what I've already received. What's your purpose? Your purpose, number one, is to know God. Your purpose is to serve God in whatever He wants you to do. See, everybody thinks I got to be a missionary in China. No, you can serve God. The greatest missionary is right there in your workplace or right there in the school you go to. You just do what God said, just trust Him. What's your purpose? God yes. and His plan. Yes. You, you, you go around trying to find people that's kind of like you, or kind of has situations, and you're trying to figure it out. No, 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 here's the only thing you have to know: He's Daddy, I'm His child. Yes. I just gotta seek His heart. That's all I gotta do, and obey. Pray and obey. That's it. Prayer is not getting off and you can get off and pray and groan. Prayer is to simply communicate with God and obey. Amen. So if you're ready to receive that right now, healing and strength and, and no more, man. Just, just every time rejection comes, it's under your feet now. Fears under your feet right now. And Father, I just thank you right now, Lord. You gave us the authority to command everything that's not of you to be under our feet right now we command first of all rejection to be under our feet and we command everything attached to it be under our feet lord we repent of whatever sin that we have in our life even things that may not be sin to others but to us it was radical disobedience to you we repent of it to never be brought up against us again maybe man will but you will never bring it up against us again Father, we wanna be like David, a man or a woman after your own heart. So today, we acknowledge you first loved us, so we don't have to work up love or make love happen. We just need to receive your love and it'll be more than enough love to love you back. And today I ask you to just download in our hearts and minds that we start to acknowledge when and how to strengthen ourselves in you. Stir up your gifts, stir up your love, stir up your fruit, stir up your power in our lives now, and I speak freedom over every mind, freedom over every heart, fear, depression, addiction, rejection, anxiety, lust, and all manner thereof, go Come now. I break you. Freedom, grace, love, power, anointing, flow, wisdom, knowledge, flow now. Rise up in us, mighty God. Help us to love unconditionally and walk out your plan and your way. Not only to know your acts, but to know your ways. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen.